0: Welcome to Michigan Opera Theater's Opera Here podcast. This is Andrea Scoby
1: And Arthur White.
0: With Michigan Opera Theater.
1: We are thrilled you have joined us today as we preview Rossini's greatest operatic success, The Barber of Seville. This production marks the seventh time Michigan Opera Theater has produced this opera in our 48-year history. And we are thankful to Jake Neer and WDET for their assistance in producing these Opera Here podcasts.
0: When Beethoven met Rossini in 1822, he proclaimed that the Barber of Seville would be played as long as Italian opera exists. Michigan Opera Theater's production of the Barber of Seville opens November 10th and runs through November 18th, marking 202 years of continuous performance of this opera.
1: The opera, written in the bel canto style, is based off the first of three plays by French playwright Pierre Beaumarchais. The opera debuted in Rome in 1816 and revolves around the clever and crafty character Figaro. The same character, in Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro, composed 30 years earlier. The opera opens in Seville in the 18th century, where we first meet Count Almaviva, who has come to serenade the woman he loves, Rosina, just outside her balcony. He sings Eccoridente in Cielo. There, laughing in heaven, emerges the beautiful dawn. Almaviva wants Rosina to love him for himself and not his money or position, so he disguises himself as the poor student Lindoro. However, he is disappointed when Rosina does not appear at the window following his serenade. Rosina is the ward of the old crusty Dr. Bartolo, who has decided he will marry Rosina himself because of the large amount of money in her dowry. Figaro, the barber of Seville himself, now arrives singing one of the most difficult and recognizable baritone arias, Largo al factotum della città. Make way for the factotum of the city. Almaviva engages the help of Figaro to help him meet Rosina. Figaro, faced with the prospect of a monetary reward and besting Dr. Bartolo, is quick to offer his assistance. The next scene opens in Dr. Bartolo's house. Rosina sings of her love for Lindoro in her dazzling aria, Una Voce Poco Fa, a voice echoed here in my heart. ¶¶ Devises a clever plan. Almaviva will disguise himself as a drunken soldier and demand to be housed in Doctor Bartolo's home. He thwarts all of Bartolo's attempts to dismiss him and simultaneously reveals to Rosina his identity as Lindoro, while passing her a love letter. The doctor summons the police to get rid of the soldier, but Almaviva discreetly conveys his true identity to the officers and the Count is not arrested as Act One comes to a close.
0: When Act Two opens, Count Almaviva returns to Dr. Bartolo's residence, this time posing as a music teacher, Don Alonso. He claims to be substituting for an ill Don Basilio, and insists on giving Rosina a music lesson. Figaro distracts Bartolo by giving him a shave, and finally, alone in their lesson, the Count and Rosina make plans to elope. Dr. Bartolo shoes Figaro and Almaviva out as he himself makes plans to marry Rosina that very evening. Almaviva and Figaro return once again, now disguised in cloaks, and they convince Rosina that Lindoro is really the Count and that his intentions are honorable. When the notary arrives to officiate Dr. Bartolo's marriage to Rosina, Count Almaviva bribes him into officiating his ceremony instead. Rosina and Almaviva have just finished their vows when Dr. Bartolo rushes in with the police. The plot is explained, and learning that the count will allow him to keep Rosina's dowry, Dr. Bartolo is appeased.
1: Andrea, this opera is such a delight. It's got so much energy. It's funny and upbeat, and the music is just gorgeous. So many operas have one or two famous arias that everyone loves, but in Barber, every aria is a showpiece. Every single one of these melodies is a hit.
0: And it's probably for that reason, right, that Barber is considered the greatest comedy in the opera canon. But it's worth noting that Rossini had some pretty good source material when he set about to write his opera. As you mentioned earlier, Arthur, it's based on the first in a trilogy of plays. The second play in that same trilogy is, of course, The Marriage of Figaro, which Mozart turned into another operatic favorite. And the third, which is much less well-known, is called The Guilty Mother. And the original author of these plays, who invented our characters, Almaviva, Rosina, and the beloved Figaro, is a man named so grandly Pierre-Augustin Caron de Beaumarchais. This gentleman lived such an extraordinary life. He was not only a playwright, he was a publisher, a musician, an inventor. He was both a diplomat and an arms dealer, and he was a spy. Beaumarchais was born in Paris, the son of a watchmaker, and when he was 21, he invented a new mechanism to make watches more accurate, but his idea was stolen by the royal watchmaker who tried to pass it off as his own. Pierre wrote a furious letter to the royal academy, who ruled in his favor, and the royal watchmaker was ousted, and Beaumarchais took his place working for the king. After his royal appointment, he taught music to the king's daughters, he became well-known at court, and he acquired a title, making him a fully-fledged member of the nobility. He also supplied arms to the American colonies during the Revolutionary War, and he traveled to collect debts for his father and information for the king. I told you he was a spy. In the midst of all of that, he managed to write a couple of plays, including The Barber of Seville. Today, that play has been all but eclipsed by Rossini's beautiful opera, but at the time, the play was a huge success. Beaumarchais was such a fascinating figure. His life was full of these strange contradictions, but he gave the world new inventions, new ideas, and these lasting stories that have stood the test of time.
1: You know, it's unusual for a playwright to have two plays become such beloved operas. Uh, What about the third play, The Guilty Mother? Was that ever adapted in any way?
0: The Guilty Mother is a really unusual piece. It still centers on the characters we know, the Count and Rosina and Figaro and Susanna, but it's a little darker. They've moved the action to France, and there are illegitimate children and squabbles over inheritance, but like the two preceding plays in the trilogy, it still ends happily with a marriage. There was an operatic adaptation done in Geneva in 1966, but no recording of that exists. And in 2008, there was a company in France who commissioned a new operatic version, but neither are produced with any frequency today. Really, though, could anything ever come close to what Rossini created with Barbara of Seville?
1: No, not at all. This opera is such a standout. It's a masterpiece unto itself. And we have some fantastic artists coming to Detroit to bring this opera to life. The production of Barbara of Seville will be conducted by Christopher Allen. He is the recipient of the 2017 Sir Georg Schulte Conducting Award, and he just returned from conducting a new production of La Traviata with Opera Theater of St. Louis. American baritone Lucas Meacham takes up the role of Figaro in his Michigan Opera Theater debut. He's made a specialty of the role, singing it in Houston and Chicago, and leaves Detroit for a production of La Boheme at the Metropolitan Opera in December. Born in Buenos Aires, mezzo-soprano Daniela Mack has been hailed for her fiery Rosina as she hurls fast notes like Teresa Berganza or Federica van Stadt so says the San Francisco Chronicle. She also makes her debut with Michigan Opera Theater in this production and she returns to the Washington National Opera and the Seattle Opera later this season. Tenor Alex Schrader made his professional debut as Alma Viva at Opera Theater of St. Louis and has performed the role all around the world. He returns to Arizona Opera for performances of Rossini's Cinderella and later this season returns to the Santa Fe Opera the San Francisco Opera, and the Seattle Opera.
0: So these are definitely some must-see artists, and we are so excited to welcome them to Detroit. We can't wait. I want to dig a little more deeply into the music and style of Barber of Seville, and here to talk a little more about that with us is the president and co-founder of the Verdi Opera Theatre of Michigan, Mr. John Zaretti. Uh,
2: Hello, Andrea. Thanks uh, for uh, inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs)
0: Welcome.
1: Now, John, your area of expertise is Italian opera. Tell us a bit about the bel canto style, and how does Rossini stand out from the other bel canto composers?
2: Bel canto is a term uh, used in the style of uh, the eighteenth century, basically, uh, based on purity and brilliance of tone and great agility in the singing of ornamental type of music, lighter voices that were to go back further even to the times of Mozart or the Castrati and so on. The, the people just loved to hear uh, the, these voices, these ornamentation, these cadences that everybody was bringing their own and in many cases they would bring their own pieces of music already that had nothing to do with the opera but they would insert it in the opera just uh, to make it uh, sensational the voices uh, that's what people were going there for also at the time there was no seating people were standing in the in the parterre let's say and in the boxes it was like a a lot of people would go there for the, the to get together to talk. To, there was gambling. There were all kinds of things. So they would stop only when these the singers would sing these fantastic uh, arias uh, with all kinds of ornamentation that they were sensational. And then they would go back to do their, their thing. So that's what bel canto really started as a showcase for singers for more than. Opera in comparison to the later, later style. Rossini, his uh, his music was uh, irrepressible, uh, uh, sprightly, tuneful. It would bring a smile to your face, and it uh, it would run through you right from the beginning, from his overtures uh, like *The Barber of Seville* or many, in fact, many of his overtures. Uh, symphony orchestras to this day use them as starters for the concert because it brings out a a, a smile on everybody the music is like a a ray of sunshine like Rossini so uh, Rossini um, uh, was the elder of the three great bel canto stylists which were Rossini, Donizetti and Bellini Mm -hmm. so uh, he was very influential and the others but person like Bellini, for example, had his own inimitable style. He brought along long, uh, flowing arias of uh, music, melodic, uh, languorous, melancholy. Mm-hmm. It's really was the start of romanticism. Yes. And uh, then Donizetti, they were born within a few years of each other. Donizetti picked up also on that, but his his own style, of a greater uh, drama uh, in the character itself and uh, bigger orchestration, wider orchestration, but always maintaining the great me- melody uh, style of the Italian, of typical Italian composers.
1: Okay. Wow, y- your your you. description of Bellini made me think of or that long line you were talking oh, oh, about.
2: Oh, oh, that and, and La Sonambula, and the beautiful duets, uh, again, uh, that uh, graceful style, that uh, uh, the style that lets you Sit and listen to. At that time, I mean, people had evolved uh, in the earlier part of the 18th century from the styles of Handel or the other. So they wanted to hear more. They wanted to hear, to create. And then the great singers started coming out. The great singers that, like Donizetti, didn't want them to sing uh, their own songs to bring. He wanted to, and Verdi later on, early Verdi also started. Uh, saying, you have to sing what the composer wrote. Mm. And we, the, the, the music, wanted, they wanted, Donizetti and later Verdi wanted to have uh, the flow of the drama of, of the idea of the opera, not just the uh, pieces of music that were sung in between for the satisfaction of uh, showing off uh, <laughs> the singers and everything. They wanted to have more feeling about the opera itself, about the characters, about the, the themes of the opera.
0: The title of this opera really refers to Figaro, who is the barber of Seville, but it seems like the story focuses more on the count and Rosina. Mm. Why is this? Who is the hero of this opera?
2: Well, I feel that um, the three protagonists are uh, uh, really the, the the key to the to the opera, rather right? the one in particular. They all scheme, Uh, and uh, work to uh, get the love uh, theme and uh, the, in the case of of, of Figaro, uh, that he is the jack of all trades that can fix anything. Mm -hmm. So the whole theme of the barber, originally uh, it was uh, Beaumarchais, the the playwright that wrote it, uh, felt... Uh, that he was showing that uh, the aristocracy that had was also powerful and had all kinds of rights and everything wasn't right. And he, they wanted the common people to stand out, but they had to do it in a way that it wasn't offending the, uh, <laughs> the aristocracy, let's say. So in this case, we have Figaro, Rosina, and the barber, and Count Almaviva, Uh, Here is a count Mm -hmm. who is in love, who falls in love with this commoner, with this girl. And he wants everything. He schemes every way to get into uh, the house of the ward of the old man. And uh, so uh, to me, it's more than uh, just uh, one uh, character, the barber. The the barber might be the catalyst, Figaro. But the whole opera is about the three of them. The, the the joy of the opera is all three how they do to get away from their particular situation. Yes.
1: How to sort of come together and outwit uh, Bartolo.
2: Yes, right. Yeah. And and then Bartolo at the end, uh, at the end is a happy ending. So uh, <laughs> unlike, he gets, he unlike gets many the, other operas where yeah. everybody dies.
1: He gets know? the money, so he's happy with that. <laughs> he's happy with that <laughs> because exactly.
2: well, if we want to go into the story, and at the end it finds out that uh, one is not really uh, what they were, one is the, the, the son of the other, and this and, right. this and that. So without uh, going into the details, the point is that uh the three of them, uh, the Rossina, Figaro, and the Count Amaviva, trump the whole idea of aristocracy and commoners, and uh, everybody is happy at the end. And they do it in a way that it doesn't offend anybody. You know, excellent. So it's uh, ge- the genius of Rossini is is that of bringing it out in music what Beaumarchais brought out in writing.
1: John, can you tell us about uh, the phrase opera buffa? What is, what is that? What does it mean? Where does it come from?
2: Basically, it's a term uh, designating uh, a comic opera, but with spoken dialogue, sort of sung with uh, just one instrument accompanying it.
0: There's a website, operabass.com, that tracks performances of opera worldwide. And it lists Barber as the eighth most frequently performed opera on the world stage today. The next Rossini opera doesn't come in until number 26, that's Cinderella. What is it about Barber that elevates it to this top 10
2: status? The Barber is one of the great classics of all time. Uh, uh, Rossini, with his uh, inextinguishable fountain, uh, wrote many, many operas in a short time. He was a very, very quick writer. In fact, he wrote The Barber Civil in 13 days. This is proven that he wrote in 13 days you can just imagine mm. this fantastic piece of music with flowing arias that he wrote in 13 days and he wrote many other operas um, where after the barber he became more and more famous and more and more singers as we were saying before of those times they wanted the comp they were more famous than the composer they w- they would go to the composer and say write me this aria uh, write me and then they would add their embellishments and so on so Rossini and his other operas, like La Cenerentola, La l'Italiana in Algeri, the Italian in, in Algiers, mm-hmm. um, uh, Le Contori, many, the Cambiale dei Matrimoni, and so on, he wrote music for these singers. And now, in our day, to bring back these operas and everything, you need to have a a major major singers to really make it stand out, like like a A Marilyn Horn, the embellishments, uh, and uh, a John Sutherland, and things like, and now uh, we have various singers that are very, very well known, uh, specialized in in these areas and everything. But it's more a vehicle for particular singers or for um, an an ensemble rather than uh, the popularity of uh, of of a Barbara Seville. Or like other other composers, like Verdi and so on, he would write uh, Aida, Trovatore, Traviata, uh, Otello, and so on. And many many of his other operas are very very interesting, and up to uh, close to the level there. But they are not performed as often as the others because the others are much more popular and much more appreciated by the public. However, lately for the last uh, several years because also of the singers that have reached the levels of previous singers um, that were very, very popular in these operas, uh, have uh, come up to the point that people want to hear these singers and want to hear these operas again. And so the Cenerentola, the, the Cinderella, uh, the Italian in Algeria, the Contori, and so on, are, are again performed in many, many theaters, starting from the Metropolitan, opera in New York to La Scala, to many of the theaters. So Rossini is pretty much alive. The Barbera Seville is so unique. Uh, <laughs> I think that, it, of, of course, it's uh, played more than, than any other because everybody knows the, the entrance area of uh, Barbera Seville, you know, the Spir- Largo factotum, mm-hmm. uh, Figaro qua, Figaro la, everybody knows, plus the on television, and all the commercials that uh, utilize the music and everything. It's so popular. (laughs) So the Barber civil Seville uh, is is the most popular, but Rossini is played quite quite a bit in many of his operas. If you add all his operas together, uh, he would be right up there, not number eight, but he would be right up there as one of the four or five top composers that are performed, his operas are performed today, I would say. Well, Mr. John ready. thank
1: you so much for taking time to speak with us today. It's oh, a pleasure. I
2: appreciate it. It's my, uh, my pleasure. Thank you. thank you. Thank
0: you, John. And thank you, too, to everyone listening today to get a glimpse into The Barber of Seville. We hope to see you at the Detroit Opera House to catch this irresistible production opening November 10th and running through November 18th.
1: To purchase tickets to The Barber of Seville or to find more information on the opera, visit our website at michiganopera.org. You can also connect with us on social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks again to Jake Neer and WDET for their assistance in producing this podcast. And we'll see you at The opera.